listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. How are we doing this morning? Because we are, we are in this whole uh, series at the moment, Love the Greatest of These. And so we thought it would be great today to do something a little bit different and actually speak together and uh, share together. And yeah. uh, I, um, I know it's going to be a great morning and uh, God is going to really speak to each of us. So I think, what's, I think what's important is that if you were here at week one, you would have just seen how far I got thrown under a bus. So far under. I'm without, surprised. Without I'm attention. surprised I'm alive. I'm actually surprised I'm alive. We don't I'm, need to go back to what happened or what was I, said. I realised on the car ride home. Can we stop? That it was a no, dig at manhood. This... So I'm sorry, darling. I, it was very unintentional. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, the Nadi was away. Well, Nadi was away last week. Um, you know, there were some things said. They were all true. Um, <laughs> But there was an inability to, you know, to have the conversation. I thought maybe it's safer if we're both on stage so we don't have to wait till the next week before we can kind of like, whoa, whoa, hold up a minute, you know, like, and, um, and I, you know, you can just see how good I am. And, um, but we are talking about the way of love. Team, you're amazing. Nigel, that music is, is, is too good being too close and so uh, less of the spiritual fingers um, that'd be awesome can we give these guys a hand can we honour them our tech team thank you why don't we open up with prayer eh you need it Lord we thank you we thank you for Nadia Lord we thank you for your grace it's, it's enough and um, no we honour you God we honestly mm-hmm. do we thank you for the amazing thing this this wonder of love this this not an idea that you said hey let's have a go at this but it's who you are and God that today we're surrounded by your love Lord that's what we've come here to receive that's what we've come here to grow and that's what we've come here to encounter in a new way is more of your love help us to articulate your heart help Mm -hmm. us to Lord speak in a way that enables us to all take steps forward in the areas of our life that we could be more full of your love and uh, we just praise you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus name Amen Amen. So last, uh, so we talked about last week this this idea of these four different kinds of love: storge, uh, eros, filio, and then agape, the greatest love of all, uh, agape love, a love that's undeserved, a love that's uh, got no strings attached, a love that is selfless, a love that is passionately committed to the well-being of others, this love that Christ had for us. And we uh, read from 1 John, and I want to read that and sort of found from that this morning as we, as we go forward, but hopefully it may be with you on the screen. But 1 John 4, 7 to 12, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Let us not storge one another so much as eros one another, filio, all those, those are okay. It's saying, let us agape one another. Let us have this selfless love for one another. Let us have a love that serves others. And it says, let us love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves, anyone who agapes has been born of God and knows God. So there is a an evidence of if we know the love of God, then we live in this agape kind of lifestyle. We have that as a part of who we are, which is pretty cool. But then it says, whoever does not agape does actually not know God because God is love. And we can't have this love, but not give of this love. Oh, it's actually got to change the way we are. And what's cool is about in this room, you can see people who have encountered the love of God and how it's changed their life. This is how God shows His love for us. That He sent His one and only Son into the world. I love this word, that we might. 
See, the thing about an agape love isn't about the guaranteed return. It's about the opportunity that could be that we might know Him. He, he didn't say, you have to know me because I did this. He says, if there's just one opportunity that someone would know me, that I will go to that extent. And then it says, live through Him. It doesn't live for Him. It actually says, live through Him, which is an amazing thing because we want to live for God, but God's not trying to get us to live for, for. He's actually wanting us to live through. <laughs> and if we live through Him, then we would know that His love would move through us more because it's not us about trying to achieve what He wants us to achieve so much as be who He wants us to be. That's pretty cool. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I'm telling you, if you haven't yet known the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus, then we will give you an opportunity at the end of the service to pray and know God for yourself. And I want to tell you, the old is gone, the new will come. But dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. He's saying, now, come on, now that you've got it, you need to give it. Come on, now that you received it, you need to release it. <laughs> now that you know what grace is, you've got to give it. It's, come on, it's, this, this is a, an instruction to us. Dear friends, come on. Since He loved us, we ought to love one another. No, I, no one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. You know, you say, well, what is this love? How is this love? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 portrays this love. Tells us, okay, what is this love that we're trying to live like? And Nadia's going to read it out and then we're going to talk about the ways of love. Awesome. So 1 Corinthians... I thought it was good. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 8 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So I love that that's a biblical description of what love is. And we're just going to take a moment to look at what love actually means practically in our day-to-day lives, how we actually live the way of love, like 1 Corinthians says that we're called to live. And the first thing is it talks about the way of selflessness, the way of selflessness. You know, we live in a world today where the word love is on trend. It is thrown around wherever. It is all about love. It is about, you know, it's almost like we're going back to the happy days. Like, it's all about love, man. Just love. And, uh, but the thing is, often when the world is talking about that, it's in the context of eros. Like, it's about my desire, wanting to get what I want to get. Well, the Bible, like Craig says, talks about this agape love, this selfless pure, true love, the love that only our God gives us. And it talks about it being the selfless love where there is no agenda to it. That's why we ultimately did Life Spring Festival to our community to say that we're a church that wants to love, that there's no agenda attached to it, but we truly, purely want to love. And, you know, true love, you know, we can get all romantic about love, but true love is actually about sacrifice. You know, when you have children... I don't think you ever experience uh, the love uh, that God has for us until you have your own kids and you realise what perfect love looks like. There's nothing that they've done to earn your love. There's nothing they can do to earn it more. You just love them because they're yours. But with that pure love comes incredible sacrifice. 
There is nothing like having children to make you realise how selfish you were beforehand. Right. And how selfishly you lived your life. And children completely undo that selfishness in you. I mean, when it comes to marriage, for a marriage to work, yeah. it's got to come back to selflessness. It's true. I mean, <laughs> I know for us, for me to truly love Craig, it means selflessness. I mean, he loves to surf. He loves to, uh, to do adventurous things. And as a wife, because I love him, I've got to release him to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> He'll be loving this right now. But Craig has a, a trip to Japan booked in February next year, which includes some of my brothers uh, to go snowboarding. And, I mean, it's one of my favourite things in the world to do as well. But I release that, and I'm not bitter... <laughs> About it at all. Release it, though. Even, Release it. <laughs> even though it's with my brothers and I'm left with the children at home on my own. And snowboarding has always been something we've done together. It's how we got together. It's where our romance started. But I'm okay with that because love is selfless. She's okay with that. <laughs> as we can all tell. Very okay. <laughs> But I mean, selfless love is you getting up every morning. He gets up to the kids for me. Our son, he comes from him. So he's up at six o'clock every morning. And Craig is always the one up to them. And because he knows how important my slow start is and just wanting to read the Bible, hang out with God. And he just gives me that space, that selfless love. True love is being committed to each other beyond what you want. And I, I love that about what true love looks like. I actually wrote this down. How much of our lives are led by love can actually be seen in how much we live to serve others. Yeah. Now, it's an important question we need to ask ourselves. How much do we live to serve others? Because that reflects how much we're actually living in love. Right. Because love is not about you and what you get. It's about serving others. I mean, Jesus exemplified this in what Jazz read out this morning, Matthew 20. Jesus called his disciples together and he said, you know, the rulers, the Gentiles, they lord it over them. But it mustn't be that way with you. You must, uh, to be first, you must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus revealed his incredible love for us by serving us. And we are called to serve each other, to serve people. So how much do we live to serve others rather than going in and looking for what we're going to get from it? And it's an incredibly important question to ask ourselves. I mean, you had an amazing example happen with this the other day. Yeah, yeah. Rita and I were um, we're preparing for Christmas Box, which is awesome. And it's another great community uh, thing that we do as a church. And so uh, over all of life, we're giving 20,000 Christmas Boxes away this year. And we're doing 3,500 here, which is exciting. But we're connecting with different organisations and literally going to them, not for what we can... These, these ones who have products, say chips and all that sort of stuff and, and cereals. And if you know anyone that has chips and cereal uh, sitting in their backyard, like three and a half thousand packets. Um, but we connect with them a bit and share the vision and, and we ask them about what we want. And here we are sitting in a meeting um, with this lovely old couple around um, about some chips and they were really wanting to be involved. But the truth was is that some of the challenges they were facing meant they were even at a huge backlog in the orders that they already had as a business and they were quite worried and stressed. And then literally this thought popped into my heart. God's here, is here. God says to me, he goes, I, I feel like you're here, and this is what I felt, I feel like you're here not so much for what you can get from them, but what you can give to them. 
And so then Rita and I have the conversation. It's obvious that they're not able to lend product or give us product and stuff like that. And they're beautiful people. And I said, look, um, you know, maybe we can look at it next year. And you just had that prompting. We just said, look, you know, Rita and I, we, we both go to church and we really believe that, you know, God is with us. And, and would you be open for us to pray for you? Come on, you could, we could pray that God would just orchestrate some of these things you're going through, the challenges you've got. And they would just simply look at each other and say, we would love that. So here we are in this office, in this corporate environment, going to see what we can get. But now it's not about what we can get, it's about what we can give. And we just got to pray for them, got to pray for their marriage, got to pray for their business. And, you know, there's opportunities around us where God's saying, come on, mate. (laughs) Now, the the fruit of that is we might both be able to receive and give at the same time. But is it more focused on what we get or is there an opportunity for us to give? And uh, it's just exciting because I know that what took place in that moment, whether they know God or not, there's a seed that's in their heart. And I know God's going to fulfill what we prayed and it's going to change something for them. So, so true. And it's an important question to ask ourselves, like in any area of our life when it comes to relationship with friends, like are we looking for what we're getting from them? Right. Or are we going, hey, what can I give to this relationship? Like a, a marriage relationship or a guy-girl relationship? Like what are we, are we looking at what we're getting from it? How much it's filling me? Or am I actually going beyond that and going, hey, what am I contributing here? Because yeah. it can be so easy to get wrapped up in everything I'm not getting rather than going, actually, I'm half the answer here. And what can I contribute? What can I do to, to bring the solution? And I mean, even when it comes to church, like it can be so easy to rock along to church and be like, well, what am I going to get from this today? Rather than, hey, looking for what we can give. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, I love that we have so many new people walk through our doors. But this morning, like I saw a few new people just walk in and nobody connect with them. And I'm like, that kills me as the pastor. Because you just, you see these new people walk in and your heart is to connect. And it can be so easy for us to be connecting with each other and miss so much of what God is continuing to do. And I just want to stir us. Like there's so much God wants to do through us. Are we looking for what we can give or are we looking for what we can get? Yeah. I was thinking about even in the workplace. You know, how often do we go to work about what they can, like what you're getting out of your work? You know, rather than what are you adding to your work environment? You know, like, oh, yeah, I'm just here to get my paycheck. What do what you bring into it? Mm-hmm. Come on, what do you bring into that place? You can change atmospheres. And too many of us act entitled to what we've got to get out of this. Oh, I go to church, they better, you know, they better pray for me and they better talk to me and they better, what? That's not how we're called to live. Yeah. Come on, where to come from a place? What do we bring into this? What are we adding yeah. to this environment? What can we do to bless, to love, to agape others? The other thought, um, or the second one we had was, the way of love is, is the way of consistency. The way of consistency. As Nadia read uh, that scripture in 1 Corinthians the first week, uh, this word jumped off at me and, um, and just started to ring through my heart, like ring through my mind. And it's the word always. Always. See, in verse 7, it says it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Always Always, not sometimes, not even most of the time, it always. That's what love is. Love has a consistency factor to it. Come on, it's it's not in when it's in because it's good times, but it's in when it's in when it's bad times. There's an always to it. And it doesn't mean that there's not moments we have to make a determined decision, just like Jesus did in the garden. He goes, he wanted to get out of there, but at the same time, hang on, love. (laughs) Come on, it never fails. It's always trust. It always hopes. I can't flee the situation because love can't flee. Love remains, love stays, love sees the bigger picture. And, um, and I love how it goes on, it says in verse 8, love, it never fails. 
See, the Old Testament has this, um, this amazing uh, word that it used over and over according to love. And in fact, 196 times it says that love was steadfast. It says it was steadfast. What is that saying to me? It's saying that God's love is dependable. It's reliable. It's unswerving. You can bank on it. You can guarantee on it. Come on, we are being conditioned to questioning. Come on, we're being conditioned to questioning the world we live in. We're conditioned to question everything. You're not innocent till proven guilty. You're guilty until proven innocent. Everything is like, oh, weather's going to be sunny tomorrow. Oh, I doubt that's going to be sunny. Do you know where you live? You live in Melbourne. You know, like, we question, we question everything. You know, like, God's for you. Well, I don't know about that. You know, I had this situation happen. I stood in dog poo yesterday. You know, like, how can God... We question, we analyse and we draw ourselves to the place of lack of faith rather than a place full of faith. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that then you have to be banking on the fact that the weather's good tomorrow, but you can bank on the fact that God's mercy's with you tomorrow. Yeah. Come on, you can bank on the fact He'll give you wisdom in a situation that's above your head. You can bank on the fact that you can forgive your adversaries regardless of what's happened to you. Why? Because you have a Father who forgave you. You can bank on these things. I want to ask us, how consistent are we? Our consistency draws people to the reality of Christ. And unfortunately, it's the inconsistency of Christians that draws people to a conclusion that there can't be a Christ. So many people go, I'd love to believe what you believe, but I look at Christians in the life they live and I'm like, I can't measure up. That doesn't measure up. Now, we all know that we're not perfect. Just because we know Christ doesn't mean that we live faultless lives. But I'm asking you the question, what do we do with our inconsistencies? What do we do with our inconsistencies? Because I think there's areas of consistency within inconsistency that we can model that enable people to realise, hey, it's not all about just follow me because I'm not going to get it all right, but follow him because he does get it all right. Because I've learned that in my mistakes that I'm able to point you still at the same time to realise, hey, we're all human. That's why we're still all in need of a saviour. It's not a one decision moment. It's a continual following of Jesus. And I, you know, for my kids, I always, you know, have this thing where I'm like, um, I promise. And if I say to the kids, I promise, I promise, then in that moment, I'm like, that's set in stone. And I will do everything I can to fulfill that promise. I say, Zion, what did I say to you? He goes, you said you promise. I said, all right, I promise, I'll be there. And then I've got to do everything to make it happen. But I know that even in that, there's going to come a time where that promise isn't fulfilled. Because I'm human, stuff's going to happen that I cannot change. But what do we do with that inconsistency? I think what we need to do and what we need to be is we need to be real in our fact of our dependency to God. We have to be consistent that we keep on going, hey, look, I am going to make mistakes, but my God doesn't. And you can trust in Him and you can rely on Him. I think one of the things we need to be consistent is we need to be consistently humble. Not denying that we get it wrong, not denying and justifying why we get it wrong and why we don't live with consistency. Don't justify why you live inconsistent. Be, be honest with why we're inconsistent. But then go to a place of humility that relies on God to say, God, I am inconsistent with my words. I say yes, but I mean no. I say no, but I then do yes. Like, I'm inconsistent. God, need, I need help in that area. And we've got to get to a place where we have greater dependency in our inconsistencies. For me, one of these moments was just life was full. There were so many plates being juggled and, and I, I just couldn't see things working out well. And I just got, I got to this point where I was like, God, I don't, can I trust you with all of this? Can I trust you with what's happening in our family? Can I trust you with what's going on with all that we need to do at work? Can I trust you with the housing situation? Can I trust you? Like, and I felt like God say, come on. Don't look at the things that, uh, I guess, are um, 
all over the place and then try and go, oh, you know, God, where are you in that? Go to the place where you can see God's faithfulness and then call Him into it. And so I went to the beach, which is my happy place. I grabbed my Bible and I underlined every word where I found the word trust and I read that scripture. And I started to realise that my trust doesn't need to be in where my situation is right now. My trust needs to be in that i got a God who's over my situations. Come on, He's the God who holds the cosmos in His hand. The whole world is in His hand. Do I worry about the planets colliding? No. Because God's got it in control. Yet we worry over things where God, if we gave it to Him, said, God, it's, it's in your hand now. Let you be in control. And then I pulled His faithfulness. In my inconsistency, I pulled His faithfulness and it enabled there to be a greater grounding. Come on, the, word, the Bible says He is the rock. Come on, Dwayne Johnson was not the rock. I mean, he calls himself the rock, but he's not the original rock. The original rock. Come on, the original rock. Come on, it's our Saviour. Come on, build your house upon the rock. Come on, that's immovable in the storms that we face. Come on, He will be consistent, dependable, reliable, unswerving, unwavering. You can bank on Him. I want to encourage you, let's be consistent. Come on, let's be consistent because when we seek Him in our inconsistencies and we actually intentionally work on them, those things will actually in time become one of our strengths. And I believe that to be something that will show agape to others. So true. And I think um, often we underestimate the value of what consistency builds in our lives. Um, I read this amazing quote this week, the greatest oak was once a little nut who held his ground. And uh, I love that quote. But you know what? What I find is often we are consistent with the negative in our lives. And then we wonder why we've got that fruit in our, in our um, right. in areas of our lives. And yeah. I remember going through high school, I was very goal-driven, very, uh, very focused on things. And one of my goals was to play grade eight piano, and, which meant practicing four hours a day because I was skipping a grade. And, and uh, I got to the end of that year after doing a full year of practicing four hours a day, this, this consistency, and then looking back on it and going, really, what did that achieve? Hey, through uni, it got me uh, great tutoring and a bit of cash coming in. But what really did that achieve in well, building I, something that matters? I remember you used to play in the piano where the hostelers where we met. You used to play like an angel to lure me in. <laughs> so I would say that all that practice... <laughs> it was all, worth it. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. There's there were, fruit. There were other ways I could have lured you in, let's be honest. <laughs> But I found like I had to look at my life and go, hey, what am I actually building like consistently in my life that's bringing fruit? And that was something really, is it worth that investment? And I think it's important to look at our lives and go, hey, what am I actually building through the power of consistency? What am I building in my life? Is it negative or do I need to replace it with the positive and actually allow consistency to bring that fruit? So awesome. Very good. good. Very good. The third one is the way of rest and security. Yes, so I love what the Word of God says in that passage again, that love is patient. Uh, it's not easily angered. Right. And it speaks of this rest, like this, this security. Again, what Craig said, this trust and this hope that actually my God is in control and I can yeah. rest in that. And uh, the other night... Uh, uh, there was something going on in our lives and I woke up at two o'clock in the morning just really stressed about it and so I naturally woke Craig up and <laughs> and, and, and I just said to him, babe, I cannot sleep. Like, this is stressing me out. And uh, he's like, chill, babe. It's going to be all right. We prayed together. But I still couldn't. I was still stressed and I just opened up my Bible to Hebrews 11 
where it talks about God's rest. And I just felt God say, come into my rest. Like, and that's what His love does. The more I find I get to know Him, the more I love Him. And the more I love Him, the more confident I get. And uh, there's a confidence that comes with knowing that you are loved. And I think... I, I love seeing confidence in people because of that speaks of that security. I love another part of that passage says, love does not boast. It is not proud. Yeah. Like it's, it's this inner confidence that I'm secure. I don't need to prove myself. I don't need to try and be something that I'm, I'm not because I'm approved by my heavenly father. And because of that, I can be secure in him. Yeah. It's like when you know his love, it's like this rod of steel going up on the inside of you because you know who you were created by and that you're made perfectly, you're made wonderfully. And so you can rest secure in that. And I think one of the greatest signs of our security, how secure we are, is how moldable we can be. So true. Like how open are we to change? How open are we to someone speaking to, into our lives yeah. and bringing change, bringing direction? How open are we to God speaking into our lives? Come yeah. on, the Bible says that He disciplines those that He loves. It's true. Come on, when was the last time you actually got before God and said, hey God, what is it in me that needs to change? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to change? How do I need to be bigger? Come on, we all want to be bigger people. We all want to be, bring influence. And that doesn't just happen by accident. It happens because we're intentional about going, how can I be bigger? And we're bigger by being moldable. Come on, here's the potter that molds the clay. And uh, we need to trust Him and His goodness that when He wants to mold us, that He's creating something beautiful. And uh, we wrote this down, that correction is not criticism, but actually creation. Come on, God created us and He continually wants to create in us. Yeah. He wants to create in us a new mind, a new way of being, a new way of doing things. Are we open to that correction? Are we open when it comes to our marriages to allow our spouse to speak into our world and say, hey, it'd be great if we looked at that area. You know, with the friendships that we're in, you know, and maybe pastoral leadership relationships with our bosses, what do I need to do to change? Right. Come on, how teachable are we? The importance of this is critical. And I know you had a, um, a chance encounter with Richie McCaw. And yeah. uh, if you want to tell everybody about that and just some of his advice. Yeah, well, he's, um, if you don't know, he was the uh, captain for the All Blacks rugby team um, for a number of years. And, you know, people would say, and not being biased, but people say one of the greatest players of all time. And... Um, I was sitting in the car with him driving along and I pretty much just went into reporter mode and I had my phone out I'm just writing notes, right? Like three pages of notes as I questioned him. And I said, what's, what's the culture like? like what's it like at the, at the end of a game? And he goes, it's a high feedback culture, uh, which means that basically we sit in a room with all the players and then they will nitpick at everything in you that you did wrong. And he goes, they were always hardest on me. Because I, and I knew this to be true because when they were hard on me, others would pick up on that and realise that if Richie got that wrong, then sheesh, well, I've got to work on that too. And he said, now I'm out of that and I'm in the helicopter industry and he's a pilot and he's got his business with some other guys. He says, it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm the novice now. I'm not, you know, I'm not the captain or anything. I'm the novice. And then these guys, they, they point at me and they say, Richie, you need to change that. Richie, you, you can't do it like that. And, and it's not a sense of entitlement, but he says, it's so amazing how quickly we get defensive. He goes, I want to be developed because I want to become senior and I want to become experienced. But at the same time, I don't want to be told what I'm doing wrong. And I think it's the same for all of us. We want to grow our character. We want to grow who we are. We want to develop who we are as people. And then when God comes and highlights stuff, we get defensive about it. And if we get defensive, what we actually do is we deny our development. 
We deny our development. We go, oh, but it's not like that. Or I was like, and, and, we, and we get defensive. We justify, and all of a sudden our justifying keeps us right where we are. We don't grow. We don't stretch. We don't change. But the Bible says he who he prunes, come on, he prunes you because he wants you to grow more. He doesn't prune you to cut you back for that to be the end goal. He cuts you back because he wants you to go further. But we've got to be moldable, man. We've got to be open to this. And we can't be defensive. And even on the other night, something happened. I just got frustrated at someone and... And then I'm mowing the lawns yesterday and I'm just like thinking about the situation. And I just said, God, is this the person or is this me? Is this something in me that actually you need to work on in me in this? It's not about them at all. It's actually about an attitude or an insecurity in me. And, uh, and in that time of just thinking that, mowing the lawns and all that kind of stuff, pulling weeds, I felt like God say, yeah, it's just deal with it yourself. Get over it. Who cares? Move on. And we're going to be able to do that sometimes where it's rather than it's other people's fault. No, God, what do you want to do in me? <laughs> I need to grow. I need to get bigger so we can move forward. And let's be welcoming of high feedback. Come on, let's be welcoming of high feedback. Don't justify the position you're in. Be willing to change. Be willing to go further forward. Because if we don't get willing to change, then we're only going to grow as far as we are today. And God's got more in store for us. So, The, um, the fourth one is uh, love is the way of freedom. The way of freedom. It keeps no records of wrongs. What a massive statement. <laughs> love keeps no records of wrongs. How big is that? If I was to ask you, uh, who's someone that offended you? Everyone probably within a second could say somebody. And, but but it, no, it keeps no records of wrongs. I had this thought, uh, you know, well, it says here in, the, in John that we read earlier, whilst still sinners, Christ died for us. He traded places with us. And it's in that trading of places, He calls us His kids. Whether we believe it or not, whether we've received His grace or not, He now sees us through the cross. This is amazing. So the question isn't whether I forgive you. The question is, when are you going to receive the forgiveness? Isn't it amazing that Christ sees us through the cross? You know, I, I thought this, man, I see corrupt, but He sees commissioned. I see what I've done wrong. He sees what he's done right. And here we can hold people in this place if they've got to change that, they've got to fix that, they've got to mold to that, they've got to become that. But Christ is saying, man, I didn't make you do that before you received anything. All you had to do was have a willing heart to turn and then everything of heaven came your way. What an amazing, amazing reality. The question for us is, do we keep no records of wrongs? Come on, do we see people through the cross? Do we see the fact that God's already forgiven them? Or does the agape love meet us and then stop there? But this agape love that lives within us is actually to flow through us, right? So I was thinking about Isaiah 61, where it says, it's about the year of the Lord's favour, and it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. I mentioned this last week, but what are the fruits of the spirit? The first fruit of the spirit is agape. So the agape, the agape of the sovereign Lord is upon me. <laughs> And it has anointed me. So the agape love you received is actually setting you up. It's anointed you. It's smeared. I don't know anybody at the moment who's barbecuing out of control like I am. But I smear that chicken with marinade. Man, I smear it with satay. I smear that thing. God has smeared you with grace. He's smeared you with hope. He's smeared you with forgiveness. He's smeared you with peace. Maybe you don't like the light, the word smeared. But let's just, <laughs> I hope you're getting it. You're marinated. You're covered in this stuff. And why? To proclaim good news to the poor. Not to know it for yourself and let it stop there, but to proclaim it. And then it says this, He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives. Captives of people who have been put there by others, not because of their own doing. 
And then it goes on, and to release from darkness for the prisoners, which means that there are people who are in darkness because of their own doing. And we're called to bring this agape love to set people free who have been put there, not because of anything that they've done, but then also for those who are guilty to set them free from the darkness, knowing that there's a love that can meet them and can change their situation. The question is this, have we created captives in our own heart? We've put people in prison in our own hearts because of something that they supposedly did, a situation that we saw in that light and we received offence. Have we put them, have we made them captive in our lives because we harbour offence? We've got to set the prisoners free (laughs) because we all know as long as we're holding someone captive in unforgiveness, we are prisoners ourselves. Come on, as long as I've got unforgiveness, I'm captive myself, man. I am, I'm bound myself. And doesn't the Bible say, how can I forgive you if you won't forgive others? Like in the sense of, hey, now you've received forgiveness, now you need to freely forgive. Otherwise, you're kind of drawing the line that it all stops there. Doesn't he go on to say that in Mark chapter 6, doesn't he go on to say that then if you were to pray for something, yet you harbour unforgiveness, my hands are tied. So he's trying to say, come on, love keeps no records of wrongs. Let them go. Free them. Forgive them, release them. Let there be a flow that comes back into your life. Let there be a freedom that comes back into your world. Let this be something of God's grace that doesn't just come to us, but now moves through us. Let this flow take place. Let this freedom take place. Let this forgiveness take place. But you say, Craig, man, they've, they've, they've really hurt me. They did it on purpose. I know, maybe they did. But God's saying, come on, would you agape? This is, honestly, it's affecting me. It's affecting the way I think. It affects the way I connect with them. God's saying, come on, would you agape? I know they're going to do it again. If I just forgive them now, they're going to do it again. He goes, yeah, but would you agape? Because if we can agape, then we're doing the very thing Christ did for us. I'm going to let Christ down again, but He's not going to forgive me. He's not going to, sorry, He's not going to give up on me. Come on, I, I know there's going to be things that are going to hurt His heart because of the things that I do. But he doesn't walk away. No, he agapes in that moment. And he says, come on, Craig, let's go again. There's going to be things that I'm going to do again and again and again. But don't, aren't you grateful across? Come on, that wasn't for once. It was for every single time. Yes. We've got to live in this place of agape. Come on, does that make sense this morning? Is that, come on, touching your heart like it's been touching mine and speaking to me? For God so loved. Come on, for God so loved. <laughs> Look at the extent that God went to because He's so loved. I thought, and I think for myself, what would our families, what would my family, my wider family look like if I so loved? What would this marriage be? What could it be if I so loved? What would my neighbourhood and my interaction with them be like if I so loved? What would our schools look like? What would the workplace look like? What could the city become if we so, so loved? So willing to serve, so willing to bless, so willing to help, so willing to care, so willing to get back up again, so willing to forgive, so willing to bring hope, so willing in my inconsistencies to say, God, would you help me? Can I stand up again? So willing to value people, so willing to lead people into freedom if we would so love. I was thinking about this love and I was thinking what's amazing about this is that this is the awesome thing of God, whether we live this or not, whether I have it activated in my own life or not, doesn't actually determine whether I receive it. 
whether we live this agape lifestyle doesn't actually determine whether we get to receive the agape kind of love. Whether we have this a part of our everyday life doesn't actually determine whether God freely says, come on, it's here, it's available, it's yours. Drink. Come on, I know you're thirsty. Drink of freedom, drink of hope. He offers the cup. He says it's for everybody. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you earned it because you can't earn it. That's agape love. It comes freely to you. It's willing and wanting to forgive. It wants to turn your situation around. But we've got to be willing to drink of this cup. This cup that washes all things away and makes things new. This, this cup that when you, when you drink of it, as dry and as parched as your life might be, it's refreshing. It's new. It revitalizes it. And it brings an ability to go further than you knew you could go. I want to ask you this morning, have you received this love? I pray you've received some help and you've received some encouragement and you've received some ideas. But more, I'm going to ask, have you received this love? Have you received God's forgiveness? Have you received forgiveness of your sins that you could know the wonder of a Saviour who's with you and for you and He sees you through the cross? this podcast from life if you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message visit lifeau.org